to this first ever webinar and podcast from the Centre for Christianity and Society. And it's also the first episode in a series that we're bringing out each, uh, each week entitled Conversations on Coronavirus. For more information about the Centre and to access our growing collection of articles, podcast episodes and videos, please visit our website. That's christianityinsociety.org or you can follow us on social media using the handle at Christ in Society. So the details of this series are on our social media and on the website. Uh, also the description below the video, if there is one there, will uh, explain what's happening in that series. We're going to be looking at different aspects of how Christians are responding to the situation that we find ourselves in. Uh, so we're going to have a variety of different guests over those weeks people who have personal experience of how this is affecting their personal life, who've suffered with the virus, who've experienced loneliness in this time or before, uh, and also who are working through this uh, and have experienced redundancy and know what it's like to have challenges with work. So I hope that's gonna be useful for you. Our desire is that all of this would encourage you to think about Jesus, to make a connection between Christ and these issues that's our heart in the centre. It's to connect Christ with contemporary culture, including the time we find ourselves in. So the way we're going to do these episodes is a conversation. Uh, it's not just going to be me speaking. There are two other people on the screen, uh, and they are my fellow leaders in the work of the centre, uh, Rachel and, and Michael. So I'm just going to ask themselves to, to, or each of them to introduce themselves. Rachel, do you want to kick off first? Just say who you are, where you are, and what you do when you're not recording episodes like this. Okay, well, I am Rachel, and uh, where I am is very firmly in my living room because we are in this very unique um, environment at the moment. But, you know, normally I, uh, we, my husband and I, John, we live in, in Newton Abbey. Um, what I do at the moment, I am sort of studying part-time. Um, we're looking sort of into fostering part-time. Um, so I sort of have a fairly diverse, um, a, a, a diverse sort of um, broadcast of what we're doing. Sure. And is John working outside the home at the moment? Is he kind of your husband? He is, yes, he hasn't been affected. He's considered one of the key workers. So he's he's been out. So really it hasn't affected us as much as it has other families. Sure. Yeah. Michael, what about you? Tell us about yourself. Yeah. So my name is Michael Shaw. Uh, I serve as the associate pastor at Strandtown Baptist in Belfast. And I live with my wife, Lauren, in Hollywood. And I have to say that under lockdown, I uh, only tried to do one Joe Wicks session, which was enough <laughs> for me. Uh, so I like I like to run very occasionally um, to to try and keep me fit. So yeah, I'm I'm more uh, Michael. You're too young to remember Mr. Motivator. Uh, some sure, do, do remember. remember him when he used to be on the screen, but he's back on. I've seen him some of the mornings, uh, and and he's more of my kind of guy. You know, just it's the lycra that that kind of, you know, flashy like outfits, very 80s, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. great stuff. Um, so you're, you're sort of working mainly from home, Michael, and yeah, what family have you got there as well? Yeah, just, so uh, just, just Lauren, really, at the moment, yeah, yeah. expecting uh, our first baby, yeah. so brilliant. be a little addition in the next couple of months. Yeah. So three of you, but one of them currently very well sheltered from coronavirus. Yeah. They, yeah. 
yeah. in the womb and in the home. Yeah, brilliant, Grace. Well, look, the, the episode this week, the, to kick off, we want to talk about the question of God and suffering. Where is God in our suffering? And that's obviously not just something that's to do with the current situation. This is an age-old question. It's a question that's been asked for centuries. Uh, in fact, right back as far back as the 3rd or 4th century BC, the Greek philosopher Epicurus is reported to have posed that the existence of evil is a challenge to thinking about God as someone who is both powerful and good. And Scottish philosopher David Hume, and there's a bit of a debate about whether he was an atheist or an agnostic or exactly what he was, but he was certainly one of the people who in the 18th century laid foundations for atheism in people who followed after him. Uh, and he kind of said this of, of what Epicurus had said. He said, Epicurus's old questions are yet unanswered. He is, is he willing, that is God, to prevent evil but not able? Then he is impotent. Is he able but not willing? Then is he malevolent? Is he both able and willing? Whence then is evil? In other words, if God could stop it but doesn't then how can we think that god is good and if god would like to stop it but can't that's not much of a god he's not very powerful but if god is powerful and good then why is it that we experience suffering why do we get something like this uh, pandemic that we're experiencing at the moment now obviously that's a huge issue we're not claiming to have the final word on that the final answer but we do want to give some thoughts on that. And Rachel, I'm going to come to you, or sorry, Michael, I'll come to you first on that, if that's um, okay. Michael, how would you kind of begin to unpack that? Has, has Christianity anything useful to say to this? Yeah, I think, um, as you say, Paul, this is not by any means a new question. Uh, it's a question that we've been asking really ever since human beings have been around. But, but it is a very relevant question. It is a question that keeps on coming back. Uh, throughout the generations. And it's also a very relevant question today in this global pandemic that we find ourselves in, where the news that we're watching, it's not just uh, statistics that are out there, but actually it hits home to every single one mm -hmm. of us, that there are people who have lost family members and friends. There are those who've lost uh, their health or they've lost their jobs. And so I think this is a very real question that we all have to grapple with. And as Christians, of course, we need to, to wrestle with that question. But I would say that it's not just a question for Christians to wrestle with, but actually we all need to wrestle with that question of what is suffering and why does it matter? And I think the temptation is for people who, as you say, you know, that, that question of is God all powerful or, and all goods? And people may look at the suffering around the world and say, look, I can't believe in this God who is both all powerful and all goods. And they walk away from God. I think the problem with that is that if you become an atheist and walk away from God, it doesn't actually answer those uh, deep questions of what is suffering and, and, and how do I resolve that problem. It actually, I would argue, it, it answers or sorry, it raises more questions than answers. Mm. And so the, the atheist Richard Dawkins, uh, he famously said that uh, if there's no God, then there's no good or evil, but just blind, pitiless indifference. And I think that, you know, he was consistent with his worldview uh, that because there is no God, as, as he says, 
there cannot be any basis for saying, well, something is good or, or bad. In the end, the suffering that we have is just the way that the world is. Mm. It's just a process or a product of blind evolutionary forces. And so I think the, the Christian worldview actually does help us to address the problem of suffering because the fact is that all of us get angry at the problem of pain and the problem of suffering. And I would say that that actually points towards the existence of God himself. Mm. Uh, because we, we know that this world isn't the way that it ought to be. Uh, and because of that, that, that's an idea that the Bible very much affirms, that the world isn't the way it should be because of sin and because of brokenness. Uh, and, and so it, the Bible doesn't just stop there. In the end, we know that there is a God who has intervened in this world in the person of Jesus, and he put wrong, or sorry, put right all of the wrongs mm -hmm. in the world. But I think if, if you walk away from God uh, and you say, I can't believe in, in the God of the Bible, then it really just raises more, more questions than answers. So it kind of leaves you alone in the darkness of suffering in a way. It doesn't. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't help us to make sense of the suffering that we yeah. go through. And of course, there are lots of questions that we need to, to ask and, and, and really wrestle with. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that that's, this is an easy question, mm -hmm. but I do think that ultimately the idea of a God who has created us in his image and who loves us and who intervenes in this world to ultimately suffer on our behalf um, and to weep with us in our suffering uh, gives us resources to be able to cope with the problem of pain. Mm. Wow, Rachel, any, any, how does that strike you? Any thoughts about what Michael's just said or any? No, I think it was interesting what you were saying, Michael. And I mean, I really just want to pull out, uh, maybe triangulate some of the things that you were saying there. Um, so I think if we're coming at this from a Christian worldview, I think the challenge for us is to sort of identify some main principles and to, to keep those main principles in equal tension with each other. So from a Christian point of view, I would um, really want to endorse what you were saying there, that, that God is a God who is sovereign, who is all-powerful. Um, and we know that all things were created in him and through him and for him. And so the Bible is very clear that God holds the whole world in his hands, in a sense. I think this can be difficult in our culture because we have become very suspicious of power. We've become very suspicious of that sense of control. And I think rightly so. Uh, and so that has to be married with the second plank of the argument, which to me would be the, the character, the nature of this God. Mm -hmm. um, and the Bible very clearly says as well that God is love. Now that doesn't mean that God is loving, although he is. And it doesn't mean that God shows love, although he does. It's saying something much more profound. It, it's saying that God is love the essence of who he is, the essence of the three persons in the Trinity, um, is an essence of love. God is love. And so the love that we see reflected and refracted in this world comes ultimately from the character and the nature of God. Mm. Um, and so you can hold sovereignty um, and marry it to love simply because of the character of who God is. But then the third plaque that I want to, you know, would want to emphasize as well, as you were saying, Michael, is um, basically just the unnaturalness of evil. Suffering and evil is unnatural. It is an intrusion into a good world. 
And, you know, if we wanted to go deeper and look at some of the different ways that theologians and philosophers have tried to answer the question of suffering and evil over the years. Um, I think you can sort of, some of the questions of the way that they've tried to answer it maybe tries to reduce the tension in that, in the threesome. And I think it's, it's just very helpful when we approach this question of suffering to try to keep very clear in our mind that both God is a God of love, that he is all sovereign, all powerful over our lives, but that evil is an intrusion. It shouldn't be there. Mm. Um, and that is really the gospel message of God's answer to that intrusion of evil and what he is going to do about that and, and is doing about that. It does seem to be a kind of universal experience, doesn't it? That when we experience suffering or people we love experience it, that we cry out, that's not fair, it feels unjust. Which I guess going back to, I mean, Michael, if, if that atheistic view is right, that's just a meaningless feeling. It doesn't doesn't correspond to anything because it isn't unjust. Suffering is never unjust if there's no uh, better world. And again, Rachel, in your point, if it's not an intrusion, why does it feel so yeah. wrong and so strange? Yeah, so wrong, yes. Okay. Yeah. So certainly our experience as human beings seems to, to point to something bigger. Uh, and I think what comes through to me in that is the fact that this is a problem for us, whatever our background it does kind of point us to say, well, okay, yeah, we can take God out of the equation, but it, as Michael said, it doesn't solve it. But if we look at what God has done about this, then actually we may find a way towards, maybe not a, an easy answer, but towards help in our suffering. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I do think that there is always going to be an element of mystery at the center of suffering. Mm. We're never going to be able to completely nail this one down. Yeah. Um, um, but I think it's very helpful to look at the God who has stepped in, who has come mm. down into that situation, and who is doing yeah. something about the suffering and, and the evil in the world. Yeah. I think that's really helpful because, you know, when, when we talk about a question like this, I mean, where is God in suffering? I think the big question that asks is, what God are we talking about? Mm. You know, so obviously you can have this very vague sense of God as some grandfather type figure up there in the heavens looking down on us from a distance and pitying us but not doing anything about it or not being able to or you can think of him as being a stern sort of uh, schoolmaster or judge um, just wanting to condemn us almost getting pleasure in our in our in our suffering but when we look at the person of Jesus Rachel you said about God who stepped down Michael you mentioned Jesus as well and it, it strikes me that when we bring Jesus into the question so if instead of saying, where is God in our suffering, we said, where is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to use a phrase from the Bible, or where is Jesus in our suffering? Uh, then three things come to my mind with that. And the first one is that when you look at Jesus, you can't really say that God doesn't care about suffering. Um, you could imagine a God who was kind of indifferent and uncaring and distant, some sort of supreme being, as one Christian writer put it, who, who is loftily indifferent to human suffering. But as that writer continues, can anyone imagine Jesus so impassive? When we look at the, all of the historical evidence we have about Jesus, we see someone who was deeply engaged in the suffering of others, in healing, 
in bringing relief, in speaking on behalf of the oppressed and the marginalized, in demonstrating in, in miraculous works, actually, what God's kingdom is like. The kind of thing, Rachel, you were saying that this isn't, this is an intrusion and here's what it would look like if we put this all right. So Jesus' actions kind of demonstrate that, a God who is very involved and caring and, and whose compassion is evident. Jesus looks at people and he loves them and he wants to help them. So, so I see that. I see Jesus as the kind of revelation of, of a God of love uh, and also a God of justice who is indignant at suffering. But secondly, he didn't. It's not like Jesus walked around surrounded by some sort of force field that shielded him from suffering. You know, I'm going to come in and put everything right and it's not going to affect me. This is a, a person who entered into every aspect of our suffering. So he uses miraculous power to help other people, but he never uses it to help himself or protect himself. Uh, and in fact, he sets his mind on going to the cross, on, on crucifixion. He's kind of, he doesn't run away from that. He, he enters into that. So Dorothy L. Sayers, uh, who was an author of crime mysteries and so on, she, she put it like this. She said, whatever game God is playing, with his creation, he has kept his own rules and he's played fair. He can exact nothing from man that he has not exacted from himself. He has himself gone through the whole of human experience, from the trivial irritations of family life, the cramping restrictions of hard work and lack of money, to the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, despair and death. So from a Christian point of view, when we realize that Jesus was the pre-existent son of God who chose, I mean, we, we don't have any choice about suffering. We, we're, we're born into a life of suffering. We cause suffering to our mum when we're born and we, we experience and cause suffering throughout our lives. Jesus chose it and he chose the fullness of it. But then the third thing is that not only did he come in and to a world where he he showed compassion to people who suffer not only did he experience suffering and set an example for us of how to suffer with faith because he keeps turning it to his father and but he also according to the bible his suffering transformed the whole question mm -hmm. because he suffered michael you mentioned that root cause of suffering that is sin it's our rebellion against God that, that put the world out of, out of sync, that put it out of kilter, that knocked things off their axis. Mm -hmm. But according to the Bible, Jesus entered into our suffering to take the punishment for our sin, to take our place, to die the death that we would experience or that we actually deserve because of our sin. So again, I find it helpful to think suffering is not just this abstract thing that I suffer. I also cause suffering. Mm -hmm. And all of us do, no matter how nice and how good we are and how wronged we have been, we have also done wrong. So I can't look at this question and say suffering is a problem. I have to say, what about me as someone who causes suffering? Where is forgiveness for the wrong I have done for my part in causing others to suffer, the friends that I've betrayed? You know, the people I've disappointed, 
my wife who I haven't always been kind to, my kids who I haven't been a perfect dad to, and my parents who I've no doubt put through more grief than they ever deserve. But where, where does, so forgiveness for that is found in the cross of Christ. Yeah. So when we bring Jesus in, that begins at least to say then, Rachel, coming back to what you said, there is a mystery. But would it be right to say this mystery is something to be lived with God <clears throat> rather than something to be solved in a sense? You know, we can't just solve it, but we can live through it with God. <clears throat> yes, certainly. I mean, I think I think it's human nature. We want we want answers to questions, don't we? We want everything sort of neatly yeah. categorized and, and boxed down. Yeah. Um, at least I know I do. But I, I think, you know, and as you say, all through the ages, this question of suffering has been there and, and nobody has the complete answer. Hmm. But I think maybe that's partially the point, that suffering at its worst is the anguish that we experience when we're in it. Mm. Um, but suffering also points us towards the God who suffered in our place and who suffered to bring in a better world. And so there's an aspect of suffering that, um, well, not even aspect, suffering is experiential in its very nature. Mm. It's a question really of whether we are going to bring Christ into that suffering. Mm or whether we're going to exclude him from it. Obviously, next week, we're going to hear from people, well, I'm one of those, although I had relatively mildly, but who have actually been through this virus. Um, and, um, you know, it strikes me that question of how Christians experience suffering and the growth that there can be through that is really important then. And it's something to pick up as we talk about that next week, as well as the question of hope beyond that suffering michael anything you want to say just as a kind of closing word as we come towards the end on 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 hope through suffering is there hope beyond it i mean is it just suffer and then die and then it's that's it what was that all about <laughs> yeah i think um absolutely there is hope in the midst of suffering and that is the core uh, of the of the christian message that we do not just die and then that's it uh, and not even that, but that our suffering in this life is made sense of ultimately mm. through the cross of Jesus Christ, that because he died and rose again, we can die and rise again with him, mm. and that we can have hope. Um, and, uh, you know, we look forward to talking more about that. But I think, Paul, that, you know, earlier on when you were talking about, you know, Jesus being the one who suffers with us, who sympathizes mm. and sympathizes with us, mm. uh, and also resolves or conquers the problem yeah. of sin and evil that that to me is the really powerful thing in that we don't just have one we don't just have a sympathetic ear on the one hand and we don't just have a far off distant god who mm. stands at arm's distance and sort of um you know removes the problem of suffering mm. but we actually have a savior who suffers with us and i think that you know whenever you look at john 11 when jesus uh is is weeping uh, because Lazarus has just died, you know, you've got that picture of a God who's all powerful, who he could have just <clears throat> immediately um, raised Lazarus from the dead, but he first he enters into that suffering and that mourning and weeping with those who weep before mm. ultimately raising Lazarus from the dead. So that is the hope that we have, uh, that we have a saviour who suffers with us yeah. in this life, but also points us towards the hope that we can have uh, for the future. Well, thanks for mentioning that resurrection hope, because that's so important, isn't it? That Christ, yes, he suffered and dealt with our sin, but then he rose victorious. So, you know, I see that. I think scripture talks about him as our high priest who knows our weakness yeah. and who intercedes for us. It talks about him as our example in how to endure suffering with faith. 
but you know it also talks about him as the one who took our place for our sins and actually deals with the root problem so god doesn't put suffering the problem of suffering right by ignoring it or pretending it's not a problem or sweeping it under the carpet or just saying i'll pull yourself up by your bootstrings son he kind of gets in gets dirty solves it through the utmost cost of the cross and then triumphs over it through the resurrection to give us future hope wow i mean certainly things to pick up next week michael i think you're going to lead us through a conversation we've got another guest coming in who was much sicker with the virus than I have been, and we'll talk a bit about our experiences, and no doubt that theme of future hope will come up as well. Rachel, any last words you just want to say before we we wrap up as well? Well, no, really just, I suppose, that invitation to bring Christ into our suffering. Um, And I think you touched on a very profound point in the sense earlier on, Paul, where you were saying that there is that instinctive question that comes to our lips in the middle of suffering, which is Hmm. why. And it points to the unnaturalness of it. Um, And it, we really are left with how we're going to respond to that why question ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I would just urge and encourage people to, whether they know Christ or not, if they don't know Christ, to um, bring him, invite him into that suffering, mm. to try to make sense of that suffering for them. And if they do know Christ, then as well, to bring him in, um, at, in a, at a deeper level, yeah. to become more dependent, to, to learn what it is to hope and to trust. Yeah. Um, to use it as a molding experience rather than an experience that shuts shuts Christ out. Yeah, I think that yeah that idea that Christ is our Savior and then He is Lord over these things. And so I suppose this life we may never have the answer to the question why the specifics of why this suffering, why this pandemic. I do remember a book by a Christian pastor actually who's who lost his son quite tragically. And he said there was a turning point for him on that journey when he stopped focusing on the why in the sense of trying to get a, a reason for this experience and moved on to the what next, where is God leading him to? And I know that's never going to be easy. I don't think any of this is easy and we're not trying to say it is, but we do believe that turning to God, so if the wrong answer is turn away from him, the right answer is going to be turn to him and find comfort in him, bring it under his lordship, entrust it to him. I suppose I think of the Psalms in the Bible, which keep on saying how long, maybe it's more the question rather than why, you know, there's so much, but it's like, how long do I have to endure this? But saying how long, but knowing that there is an end, it isn't forever. There is something beyond that. Um, and that actually there is someone we can bring those deep heart cries to who invites them, who doesn't shut them off and say, I don't want to hear, but like Jesus, as, as Michael said, at the graveside of Lazarus, actually wants to hear. Um, I, I think that, thank you, Rachel. I mean, Rachel's words again, just, just bring Christ into that uh, wherever you are currently. Thank you so much, Michael and Rachel. Our time is up. Um, that feels like it's flowing in. I've been watching the video and I realize if you're watching this as a video, uh, sometimes our faces are frozen and not always in the most flattering kind of, of, of poses. So please don't post any screenshots of the kind of the ugly posts on there. If you're listening as a podcast, you haven't got a clue what I'm talking about, but I think the audio has been fairly stable. Um, but we're thankful for the technology that allows us to do this at a distance from each other. 
So thank you for watching or listening to this video or podcast, this episode of Conversations on Coronavirus from the Centre for Christianity in society. So once again, if you want to find out more about the centre or to connect with us, please go to our website. That's christianityinsociety.org or follow us and connect with us on social media under the handle at Christ in Society. So again, we'd love to continue the conversation with you. We'll see you hopefully next week for our next episode, but thank you so much for listening and God bless you.